This is the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the show for real estate investors, stock traders, and business owners. We help you keep more of what you earn and protect what you've built. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to Tax Tuesday. My name is Toby Mathis and I'm joined by... Elliot Thomas, Manager of Tax Advisors here at Anderson. That's a mouthful. <laughs> and, uh, hey, if you're looking for some tax questions and some tax answers, you're in the right place. So let's let the room fill up and uh, we'll see what uh, is being created. I see closed captioning is being generated. That's very exciting. All right, I'm not gonna be distracted. I got all these things everywhere. Just gonna try to focus on the questions. So if this is your first Tax Tuesday, give me a reaction, give me a thumbs up if this is your first Tax Tuesday. Perfect, so if this is your first Tax Tuesday, then this is fun. I get to tell you some of the instructions, which is you can ask any question you want on tax in the Q&A. Now, if it's too deep and we're like starting to get into tax advising where we're like, hey, how do I fill this out on my return? Other than a generic question, then we're going to ask you to become a client. But uh, if this uh, otherwise, you can just ask away. We got a whole team of, I see Amanda, attorney, Dutch, one of the tax managers, Jared, CPA. I know Troy's back there. Patty's back there. Ross is back Tanya's back there. Oh my God, we got a ton of people there to answer your questions. Go on into Q&A and ask away. And this is the beautiful part. Now, here's the thing. How many of you guys know that tomorrow is a tax deadline? Ooh, give me a thumbs up if you know that tomorrow is a tax deadline. Oh, there's there's like, we got like three accountants on. They're like, and they're all like, they're a bunch of scared faces. No, it's not your individual taxes. It's the deadline for 1099s. And uh, I think it's a 1099 NEC. Yes. See, that's why we keep smart people hanging around. The 1099 miscellaneous is due when? I didn't catch that from Troy. Troy's actually helping us with that one. <laughs> Troy, are you out there? You could unmute yourself and answer that one. Is that Hello, mis- it's me, Troy. Yeah, so uh, we want to get them filed by to the individuals that we need to send a 1099 to by the 31st. Um, they are due to the IRS, however, I believe March 31st. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Very exciting. And, uh, uh, and, if, and if you're panicked because you're like, ah, oh, crap, I blew the deadline. Don't worry. We've been doing this a long time. And it's very seldom that you get penalties. They could be assessed, but don't worry. Let's have some fun ones. Let's jump in. All right. So if you have questions during the weeks in between, we do these every other week, email us at taxtuesday at andersonadvisors.com. And not only will we answer your questions, because you get like how many, you get hundreds. We get a couple hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And then we we look through those and we grab questions that we answer each session. We're, I think we grab 10. Yes. Elliot grabs them. Uh, I don't know how he picks them. I, I try and hit a broad, you know, spectrum of, you know, whether if we get a lot of questions about depreciation of some nature, I try and put that question on there that covers as many as I can, or if there's something that's really unique. Yeah. So we're trying to mix it up. We're going to pick a nice wide variety that we're going to answer your questions. If you are looking for someone to advise you, then the easiest service we have is Platinum. It's a flat fee. It's less than a hundred bucks a month. You could ask away all the questions you want to attorneys and accountants. Uh, we do both tax and legal on asset protection and business planning and tax. And so uh, if, if you want to become a Platinum client, uh, just reach out to any of us and say, hey, how do I become a Platinum client? Because you really can just ask away. And uh, every day between 9 and 2 p.m., we have an open forum where you can pop in and we teach all day long. But there's a bunch of attorneys and accountants in there. And and if you have a question, they're not going to answer stuff right in the general public unless it's a general question. What they're going to do is say, hey, come over here into my virtual office and they'll answer it. We try to make it as easy as possible to get answers. Yes, you could call. Yes, you could email. 
yes, you could jump in there and uh, and go into the uh, the platinum room. Or if you're not a client, you just send it into tax Tuesday at AndersonAdvisors.com. And as long as we're not crossing the line over and to give you specific advisory services, we're going to answer it. So if it's general stuff, we'll absolutely help you. And then people say, why do you do that? Why do you do that? I don't know. We've been doing this list is over like 211 episodes. We've been doing this for years. Uh, and frankly, it's because uh, it didn't exist when I started. Yeah. I would have loved to be able to ask questions of an accountant every other week. So we've said, hey, we'll do it since nobody else is. So welcome. And it should be fast, fun, and educational. Somebody said, <laughs> so you can pop in at any time. Uh, yes. During the nine to two, we actually have a uh, a, a, uh, what is it called? An agenda every day of who's coming in. So sometimes it's the land trust attorneys coming in talking about deeds and land trust. It's the accountants coming in talking about certain tax matters. Sometimes it's attorneys talking about LLCs. So we, we have an agenda for the day. So if you want to learn, you could certainly come in there. And then if, if, if you want to just come in and ask a question, we have plenty of folks there to, to make sure that we get your questions answered. We just find it way easier to talk to clients if we break down all the the uh, the barriers and make it easy. So are you guys ready to get started? Because uh, we'll go through all the questions. Are you ready? Yep. Good to go. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's get going. All right. So here's the questions we're going to answer today, and then we'll get back to these. Do I have to get a 1099 to every sub who worked on a single family home we are rehabbing? Question mark. Do I have to send a 1099 to them? And if we do have to get 1099s to parties, I'm assuming we have to get a W-9 from them as well, or first, question mark. So, uh, good question. Hey. <laughs> it is timely, and that's one of the reasons I picked it. A lot of questions about that, and a lot of rules right here in this one question. Number one. Oh, we're not answering them yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me yeah, go my through bad. these first. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. He's new. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right. So we'll go through these, then we'll answer them. All right. Hi, I am new to setting up a business for real estate investing. My taxes will be startup and training fees. At what percent can I expect to be write-offs to the business? I, we just grab the questions and put them in. Sometimes the English is a little yeah. suspect, right? We'll answer that one. I hadn't claimed depreciation earlier years, thinking that I wouldn't have to have my basis reduced in the future at sale. Is there a way to claim those earlier years? that it hadn't been taken or did my 27 years just begin when I started taking it? Good question. And we see this all the time. Yeah. Scary answer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'll just give you a little hook there. <laughs> Is it too late to do a tax seg on a previously purchased rental property for tax year 2023? And what would the advantages of doing it for 23 versus 24? Question mark. And what would be the advantages of doing it for 2023 versus 2024? How can I use real estate profits to pay for kids' college without paying taxes? Hmm, good question. We'll answer that one too. Are gifts to clients, vendors, employees, and members tax deductible, especially if they're given to Elliot? Right. If yes, what is the threshold that we can spend for gifts? So we have all these cool questions. We even have more. My tax preparer died a few years ago. Sorry to hear that. I have not been able to find someone to help me with my taxes. Can I file 2023 before I file 21 and 22? Or do I have to file their tax returns in order? Good question. We'll answer it. Can you aggregate short-term rentals and long-term rentals together in your portfolio to meet material participation requirements for reps? That stands for real estate professional status. And I'll, we'll explain what all that is. 
Wow. Good question so far. So you get a, uh, you get a. Slight redemption. Slight. (laughs) I don't want it to go to his head though. All right. Our LLC installed a $84,000 solar system on a rental property in 2023. Can we take the 30% energy tax credit and deduct the entire 59,976 basis? 84,000 minus 50% of the 30% in 2023 using bonus depreciation. I love that question. Like you're talking my language. Now we're going to get the calculator out. So luckily, I think I have a phone somewhere. I have to make sure. Yes. So we'll have to get the calculator out. Check your math. All right. Started a small flight instructing business in 2023 and purchased a plane in 1223 financed. What depreciation options are there and what would be the best approach if the income stream will not begin until 624? So great questions so far. Love it. And uh, let's see. I think those are going to be the questions we're going to answer today. Before we jump in, also that's free and available to you guys. By the way, we, we stream this, live stream this on YouTube, but you can also subscribe to both my channel and to Clint's channel. Uh, Clint spends more time on LLCs and corpse and asset protection. I tend to spend my time more on tax and financial matters, making money. Those are free. You just go to my web, uh, go to YouTube, type in Toby Mathis, and you can check that. Maybe uh, Patty just threw up the link there. Uh, and Patty, go ahead and give Clint's channel too. And, and just subscribe, guys. It doesn't hit you up. It doesn't uh, solicit you. It just lets you know when new videos are up. And I think we put up three or four a week, but there's a lot of good stuff going up right now. I know that because it's getting into the tax season. So you don't want to pay attention. And we have legislation right now that is passed the House Ways and Means, and it is passed, I believe it's the House that's passed, it's in front of the Senate now, which would change bonus depreciation and the and the uh, earned income tax credit, the child tax credit. Is it child? Is think, it yeah, EITC? Earn, uh, yes, earned income. Earned income tax credit. So there's legislation to increase the earned income tax credit and as well as the bonus depreciation retroactive to 2023 being at 100%. So you real estate investors perk up your ears and watch this because we don't know when it's going to pass, but it looks like it could be as early as next week. We will see, but that's absolutely free. Speaking of free, we do the tax and asset protection workshop, myself, Mr. Clint Coons. And recently I've been grabbing Brent Nagy. He's been a longtime client of ours, very successful real estate investor. And uh, I've been asking him to teach because he was a student and uh, was a customer just like everybody else. Uh, might have been 20 years ago, but he's gone through the process and he speaks in plain English. So some, we're, we're, we're sampling that out because it seems like people really like the plain language. We try to do our best as attorneys to, to speak in, in non-legal terms, but he does a really good job of explaining it. And so every now and again, you see Mr. Nagy on there, a great pilot, a great investor. And I think he's bored in his retirement. So he's willing, he's he's welcome to come and be bored with us. But we have uh, the February 3rd coming up. We have Saturday the 10th coming up. And we have a live event uh, scheduled now in Orlando. This is definitely going to happen. It's March 21st through 24th. If you haven't been to one of those, these are four-day events. 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, four-day events where we do an infinity day, three days of tax and AP. If you haven't been to it, uh, you absolutely should come and hang out with us because it's just fun to hang out. 
and we get to see everybody's faces and uh, and hang out and talk about investing and making the world a better place. And it's a lot of fun. So you should come and uh, we'll send you out information on that. Now there's a link. We don't need that. All right, let's have fun. Ready? You know, you started to answer this one before, but I'll read it again. Do I have to get a 1099 to every sub? And sub just means subcontractor. So who worked on a single family home we are rehabbing. So you're rehabbing a house. Do I have to 1099 everybody I paid? Do I have to send a 1099 to them? And if we do, am I, do I have to get a W9 from them? Elliot. So uh, a lot of different rules packed in here with these different questions. First of all, when you, the the duty to send a 1099 is when you pay $600 or more to a, a contractor. So that would be part of your factoring. But first, before anybody does any work for you, you should get them to fill out the W-9. The W-9 is a form that they fill out saying who they are, uh, whether they're representing themselves or they're with an entity or something like that with the social security number or EIN number as applicable is. And you really need them to fill that out before you pay them or have them do any work. That's kind of your get out of jail free card of, uh, from, you know, the IRS asks about any 1099 business because then you have their signed statement of how they're taxed. So you pay someone $600 or more, then yes, we need to send them a 1099, uh, all the contractors, absolutely. If they're a corporation, a C corporation, you may not have to, or possibly an S corporation, you may not have to send them a 1099, although sometimes you may have to prove up that they're a corporation, but that is another aspect of the of the rules in there. And so yes, you do need to send 1099, and as we talked about earlier, that's really due tomorrow, but uh, get it done, you know, and usually there's, we don't run into penalties. It's rare that we run into them. Yep. Tomorrow is the due date for the 1099 NEC, right? Uh, yes. And then uh, the 1099 miscellaneous is is later. But yes, in order to provide somebody with the 1099, you're going to need their EIN or their social security number anyway. You get that on that W-9 and you're required to have that W-9. And the reason I know this is because uh, years ago, I think it's probably... <laughs> 10, 15 years ago, one of our companies was selected with 50,000 others uh, for random deep audit on W-2 and 1099. So it was when the IRS was checking out, the treasury was checking out to make sure everybody was classifying people appropriately. So we had an agent come to our office for about a week. It was a lot of fun. He was like a, he was like shaking a, a, a fish, you know, he was like, he was wearing a white shirt. I kid you not. It looked like a character shirt from a, from a movie. I started laughing when he came in. Um, which you knew which one was the IRS yeah, agent? Yeah, like tell me you're an IRS agent without telling me you're an IRS agent. You're a black pet. Yeah, he was either that or he was uh, part of the LDS. He just came on a bicycle. Some of you guys get that one. Yeah, it was a nice guy, white shirt, short sleeve, which in Vegas is pretty funny. And uh, sat there and went through every W-2, every W-4, every W-9. And we're talking about a company, our company. It's l- quite literally uh, close to a thousand documents. Mm. And uh, there was two. We had uh, a a magician, <laughs> yeah. That uh, we we, we, we couldn't find. He like... disappeared. Yeah, he was at a Christmas party, <laughs> and we didn't have his W nine. So they were like, it was like it was to a company, and we said, well, it was, it was just it says Inc. And they're like, well, can you prove that it was a corporation? And you know, and you know, the, the magician made his phone disappear, so we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't get a hold of him. So it, it was seven hundred bucks. So we we're like, if we pay this, will you go away? And then there was uh, another one was a landscape company that we had used on one of our buildings, and same thing. You could they had disbanded, they had dissolved, and they said, how can you prove that it was a corporation? <laughs> and we're like, well, <laughs> they're, they're kind of dissolved, but it says Inc. 
you know, and, but, you know, it's like, well, we think you should pay the withholding on that. And if we do these two, then we'll go away. And it was like a thousand bucks. I was like, here, go away. Here's cash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't give the uh, IRS agent cash. <laughs> Chances are they take it and still on it. And it was just like one of those things where it's like, all right, all right, all right. So get that W9, get that W4. Uh, you landscaped your building. Yes. In Vegas, uh, it's fake, but it's uh, 60 palm trees. Ask me about palm trees someday. I actually had a, uh, an expert in, uh, in trees come out to make sure we didn't kill them. Yeah, no, I tell you lots of stories about some of the landscaping crap we pulled. And, and here's, here's a hint. In Vegas, don't plant birds of paradise. It's not because they die. It's because your neighbors like them so much that they borrow them. All of them. Right on camera. They don't care. They're just no like, shame. Yeah, no shame whatsoever. Like I got the camera, the guy's looking straight at it as he's digging up my bird of paradise. Smiling the whole time. Yep. Yep. So, and uh, landscaping is 15 year property, so you can cost seg it. And then when it disappears, you can write it off. So anyway, you learn that fun stuff. So long story short, yep. if you haven't done your 1099, what's the penalty if you haven't done it in time, it is a time matter, depending on how late we are. Uh, anywhere from approximately sixty dollars up to, I think, it was six hundred and thirty or so. If you uh, intentionally disregard the rule, yeah, we're, and we're looking at the August standpoint. Yeah, I think if you're up to, up to August first, it's one hundred and twenty, perhaps. First thirty days, thirty starts to go up with time, and and but they start yeah, to show intention. Sixty in the first, uh, sixty in the first thirty days. After that, it goes to one hundred and twenty. Yep. Then it goes like 350, and then it goes up to like six something. If you're, yeah, intentional. Nasty, right? But we've been doing this a long time. And I talked to Troy before this, and he says he's seen twice where they've come in and penalized. Yeah. I had a client that they penalized because uh, it wasn't us, but the accountant didn't have social security numbers on people. Then they filed the 1099. So there was withholding due because they didn't have the social security number, but we were still able to go get the W9s improve you know, the, the social security on them. And, and then we were able to get that money back. We actually paid it, had the client pay it because freaking out because the IRS is all over them saying you owe this, but then we were able to get it back. But other than that, I've, I've just never seen anybody really penalized on it. Although please don't yeah. rely on the good graces of the IRS on this because they could come back and penalize you. What if a worker refused to provide a social security number? Linda, you have them do a W-9 before you pay them. And you say, no, no social, no paycheck, right? You want to get paid, fill this out before you do it. You should just do it as a matter of course. In fact, a lot of payroll companies, uh, not just payroll, but like companies that do bookkeeping, if they see a new vendor, they're like W-9 before check goes out. Because once you pay them, just like our friend, the magician, they disappear. Troy, you absolutely can jump in, pop in. Brother. Yep. And then one other thing, if you messed up, didn't collect that W-9 ahead of time, and you still need to issue a 1099 at the end of the year, you can do that without the social security number, with without you know all the information. But what's going to happen is you're going to get a notice from the IRS saying any payments you make to this contractor going forward, you have to do backup withholding on them. Yeah, we, so. we had that uh, precise situation, Troy, and it was uh, one of our doctor clients, and uh, they assessed a withholding on all for three years. Uh, it was about a $100,000 issue. Yeah, we were able, to, we were 20, able to hear it, but yeah. it was still like it freaked him out pretty good because his accountant wasn't doing the W-9. And since they didn't have the social, they were sending out 1099s with the amounts they paid all these folks thinking that was good enough. And of course, it's not. It triggers the withholding. Yeah. And that backup withholding is 24% of the gross payments. Yeah. 
So, yeah. so you'll end up paying 24% of something else somebody probably reported and paid tax on. And you, they'll double dip on you guys. The IRS will absolutely double dip because they're the IRS and they can't, right? Yeah, so get it out there. <laughs> Tomorrow, yep. jump in. If you need help, I'm sure that, uh, Troy, if you're rolling around, are you guys able to take on anymore? Are you guys just up to your eyeballs? So we're closing our intake form at five o'clock today. It will reopen on February 1st. February 1st. Yeah. You just hosed everybody that's on. You better put that form up there in case somebody's panicking so that they can get them, get them issued real quick. So you guys have an hour and a half, a little bit over an hour and a half. So, so put that form, uh, send it out to everybody in case somebody needs to do it. How much is it? Is it like, uh, what is it? A hundred bucks for 10 or something like that? hundred bucks for 10. Correct. Yes, sir. hundred. Oh, look at that. Oh, what a deal. Jeez. So 10 bucks a pop and we'll get it done. There you go. So then, you know, that's not just, that's a W9, Patty. Do we also have the 1099s? Problem is it's the 1099 link, Toby, is individualized per client. So I don't have one that I can just pop up. All right. Well, just uh, send a email where they can reach out to somebody. Yes, I can do that. Yep. We'll make sure. So if you're panicked and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? Do not worry. A, we could get it done. B, if you don't get it done, we, we don't see people get penalized. It's not like it's automatic. All right, let's move on. I am new to setting up a business for real estate investing. My taxes will be startup and training fees. At what percent can I expect to be to be write-offs to the business? Question mark. So uh, you, you, if it's a business expense, you'll be able to deduct 100% of that expense. Uh, the, the issue here is really what type of expense it is, I would think. Uh, you mentioned training expenses, and that's one that's really key, training education. And you mentioned that it's a new business. If that's the case, if it's a new line of business, then we typically can't deduct training expenses on a normal return. You need to put it on a C corporation. So we do have methods to work with that, but it might be that we have to roll through a C corporation to get those training or education expenses deducted. If it's a business that you've already had and it's already shown up on your return, maybe you had a sole proprietorship year one and year two, you ran into those costs. Well, then that's just continuing education, probably not a problem. But here, it sounds like we're talking about a new line of business with training. So that's telling me C corporation. C corporation and possibly a startup expense, depending on mm -hmm. when you're getting them yeah. rolling and how you structure this thing. Don't worry, you'll be able to write it off. What happens if you don't is uh, there's a great case. I don't remember the case name, right? Woody, Woody V. Commissioner. And that was the guy who talked to us. We gave this exact same advice to him and then he went to his accountant and did something different. And now he's a wonderful tax court case where he was denied his deduction because his business didn't exist. He was trying to do it in his individual name. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't try that. Don't do it on the cheap. Do it the right way. Then you get the deduction. So it costs the guy a $40,000 deduction. Oops. We've had to run across a lot of these in our uh, two-year tax reviews where a client will bring in their returns. We're reviewing them. We see that they had a new business on a sole proprietorship. They tried to deduct education. And we tell them in there and more than once. I'd probably say four or five times I caught it, told them. And you feel kind of guilty because they get a letter within a couple of months. Because remember, it's yeah. been two years. You know, we're doing a two-year tax review, looking back, and they get a letter. They, I know they're thinking that we turned them into the IRS, but that's not the case. No. The IRS is just late getting those letters out there. The IRS knows. Yeah, you see that, and they just go, <laughs> and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, but you know, but but I'm a sole proprietor. I get to write these things off. But well, we but we can work with it. We yeah. get that C corp. We'll still up. get it. We'll either get it as a startup expense and uh, or we'll get it as ordinary expense, depending on when you do the education, when you do the training. What we love is if you set up the company and then do the training, right? Yeah. So, hey, I'm doing the training. Great, fantastic. If you can get the entity set up before you actually do the training, then it's on behalf of the company, and that actually makes a difference. 
but you're going to write off 100% no matter what. The question is whether you have to use it as a startup expense and depreci- yeah. in it, a- amortize it over 15 years or whether you can write it all off in the first year. So we want it now. The A dollar today is worth more than a dollar in, in 15 years. So I want the dollar 15 today. 15 days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nowadays. Jeez Louise. All right. I hadn't claimed depreciation in earlier years thinking that I wouldn't have to have my basis reduced in the future at sale. Is there a way to claim those earlier years that it hadn't been taken or did my 27 years just become or just begin when I started taking it? Another common problem, as you mentioned, when we started, we run into this quite a bit. People thinking they're, they're, they're saving themselves a little bit of pain by not taking a depreciation expense early on. Problem is, if you ever sell, you're going to be treated as if you did take that depreciation, whether you did or not. Mm-hmm question here is what can we do about it? Well, we have a form 3115-3115 and that can catch all that depreciation back up. So in other words, let's say you've had it for 10 years, never took depreciation. Well, this year you can do a 3115 and it will pull it up and you'll take all that depreciation this year, catch it all up. Where do you want, right? Yep. Elliot just split, explained the rule, but I'm going to dig a little deeper on it. So the way the tax law is, is that if you put a property, an investment property, so this isn't for your home, this is for a property that you're, it, that qualifies as investment, which means I'm renting it to third parties at fair market rent. And uh, it could still be a residence and an investment property if I'm occupying it more than 14 days or 10% of the days that it's rented. Um, but I can take depreciation, but I must recapture any depreciation that I could have taken. So the, the what what trips people is they will have a second property that they're renting out. There, boom, you may take depreciation. And they say, ah, I don't need to. I'm not too worried about it, blah, blah, blah. And then 10 years later, they go to sell it and they're forced to recapture the depreciation as though that they had taken it, even though they chose not to. What would have happened is let's say that they it was breaking even without taking depreciation. So that depreciation creates a loss. Well, it's a passive loss and it sits on your return as a carry forward. So every year you have this loss and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it gets released when you sell. So either you use it against your other properties or it's released when you sell, and now you use it against the sale to offset the gain so you don't pay tax. And if there's no gain, there's no tax, right? So if you have a big enough loss, you're like, oh, I got this loss and I'm not, you know, Boom, I get to I, I get to knock it out. If you don't do that, you don't have that loss, you're just gonna have recapture. It's all gain. So it's gonna be either recapture or long-term capital gain. And so that's how that yep. works. And uh I fortunately you see that, but Elliot also gave you the way to fix it, which is a catch-up under 41A, I think it is, but it's a 3115. And it's the same thing we do when we do cost segregations. We just grab it all. Anything that I could have written off, I'm gonna take it now. And maybe it's going to create this big, fat, passive loss on your return. Good. Gets released when you sell. So somebody says, what's the difference between depreciation versus cost seg? Oh, so heard your video, your new video on that. With, did uh, I do one? Yes, you did with uh, Mr. Estes. Oh, Estel? Yeah, Estel, yeah. Oh, that's in the tax toolbox. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to that, that exact system. question right there. Right. So, <laughs> so here's the difference. All property has useful life. So it might be five, seven, 15 year, 27 and a half, 39 year, personal property versus real property, structural property. A lot of us are used to just taking 27 and a half or 39 years. 
mm-hmm. on our real estate it, without realizing that there's a whole bunch of categories that are actually personal property. And in order to break them out, you have to do what's called a cost seg. And a cost segregation study just goes through and says anything that would be removable without being without damaging the structure is personal property, including any structural components that are for that specific purpose and the electricity and plumbing for that purpose, it becomes the same useful life as that item. So like you put a a dishwasher in and you have plumbing that brings, that goes to the dishwasher, that dishwasher is five-year property. The plumbing now is five-year property. The electricity to it is five-year property. If you had to modify the foundation or anything for that dishwasher or put in a structural component platform for it, that's five-year property. Now, a cost seg allows me to write it off faster. Instead of 27 and a half years or 39 years, now I'm writing it off in five years. Bonus depreciation says rather than five years, you can write off in this year, it's 60% of that five years I could write off in the first year. So five years or three years, I'm just, boom, I get to write off right now. And then I'm spreading out the rest, those last two years over five, like whatever's left. Uh, That's going to go to 100%, almost a certainty. So that means that we can write off five years and and it's dictated by the year that you put your property into service. So if you have property that you put into service in 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, uh, or 2021, I guess 2022 went to 80%. Yeah. 2021, it's a hundred percent bonus depreciation, even if you make the election now. So we have, remember we did the catch up on the uh, depreciation. We can catch up on our bonus depreciation too. So uh, that's the difference. Uh, I hope that yeah, answers your I question. I think actually 2022 20, was 100. It's 23 that was 80 and now I'm 60. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. 22 is still 100. 23 is 80. Great deal either way. 24 right? is 60 and they're all going to be 100%. Yeah, we get back uh, to the good old days. If uh, Congress- If they do the right thing. Gets back in session and passes it, right? All right, next question. Is it too late to do a tax seg, probably a cost seg, hmm. on a previously purchased rental property for tax year 2023? And what would be the advantage of doing it in 2023 versus 2024? So, yeah, looking at, uh, you know, tax, I think we're talking about cost segregation here, but tax segregation, I think we get the idea of what we're trying to do here. It's just what Toby was going over. You know, is it too late? Not at all. You get to do that cost seg, take this, the study can be done all the way up to the time your return is due the next year with extension. So maybe you had a return due April 15th. Well, if you extended and it was going to hit your personal return, that'd go to October 15th. So we got a long time. So you have to do that cost seg. We can certainly do one of those. Even if it was purchased earlier back in 23, that's not a problem. As Toby mentioned, we'll go back to 23 where it was purchased in the land of 80% bonus depreciation. You even get the benefit of that. You don't have to, now that we're in 24, you don't have to deal with 60% or soon might be 100%. Maybe that'd be better yet. But Yeah, and, and then when you're looking at two years, you're going to look at which one's better for you. Yeah. So, you know, usually what you're looking for is, should I do it for 2023? Well, what is it going to save you? Like if if we did a cost seg and then you were looking at doing bonus and adding it up, what is the tax savings to you? Like what is the dollars in your pocket? And if you had a okay year in 2023 and then in 2024, let's say that we get to September and you're just knocking the cover off the ball and you're just killing it, we might say, don't do 2023, mm-hmm. do the cost seg in 2024. Let's offset more of this income because it's in a higher tax uh, level. You know, they aggregate the, uh, the the tax system we have is the more you make, the more they take. If you're getting into the 30% plus category, those dollars really make a big difference. 
Sometimes it makes zero difference, right? If all it is going to be is a lot is a is a carry forward, you could do it for 2023, carry it forward into 2024, you know, it's offsetting some income. Yay. It may not make much of a difference at all, but quite often uh, it would. And especially let's say that you had a great 2023 and you're having an okay 2024, then we then it would be the opposite. You'd look at it and say, that cost seg is going to save you $20,000 if you do it for 2023 versus it'll save you $15,000 if you do it in 2024 based on our projections. You're better off doing it sooner than later. Let's let's go ahead and do it for 2023. But you can make that call all the way up until your tax returns due. It's really, I think, one of the best parts of the code as far as flexibility. You yeah. know, it, it gives you a long time to make your decision. You're going to have a lot of data by that time well into the next year. And uh, you can just, as you know, Toby always says, calculate, 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 see which is best for you. Uh, no, you know, no, no pressure on you really at that point. Yeah. And uh, it, somebody says, if, if you want to get a study done, it's aba.link forward slash CSA. I know the link off the top of my head because I've just been <laughs> talking to a bunch of people about it, but it's, I'm sure Patty can put it up too. ABA.link forward slash CSA, that's cost seg authority. They do all of the analysis for free guys. They'll tell you what it's going to save you. So you don't have to, uh, you don't have to pay to have somebody do a bunch of analysis for you. They'll be able to tell you by looking at the property. They do a great job. And so if you want to have that done, I can't recommend them uh, high enough. They we've done quite literally probably close to a thousand studies with them. And here was an interesting one. They've done over 20,000 studies and they've had a total of 20 audits. So there's a perception sometimes that when you do these advanced strategies that save you money, it causes you to put a red flag on. It's the opposite, guys. It's almost always the opposite. It's usually if you do these types of strategies and you use quality studies, you're doing exactly what you should be doing and you never get harassed at all. Like the audit rate here is ridiculously low every year. And, and we have the benefit of watching our tax preparation team when they put these returns together and they get that study from Costec Authority. There's a lot of paperwork that goes in there. There's a lot of backup and, you know, no IRS agent wants to dispute all that backup data that goes in there. So, you know, it's, it's a good deal. And we'll set it up. Uh, yeah. Anderson Advisors forward slash CSA or ABA.link. Either one. If you need the link, uh, Patty's sending it out. Did Congress vote to move cost segregation to 100%? That's bonus depreciation. They have not yet, but the House Ways and Means, I think it was 40 to 3, bipartisan support to actually get this thing through. I, it was either, it's either, I think it was Senate passed it or the House passed it, but one body of Congress has passed it. It's waiting on the next. So hopefully it's coming soon. Let's keep going. How can I use real estate profits to pay? For kids college without paying taxes. The easy uh, call here is pay them out of the, if it's an, if it's in an entity, an LLC, uh, just pay them directly from that business. Or if it happens to not be in, you know, have that asset protection, you could still just pay them from the business of that rental, pay them as a W-2. And then uh, they won't have to, if they're under 18, you don't, you won't have any uh, FICA taxes. Uh, so that would be the best route. Technically, you don't have withholding if they yeah. didn't have taxes the previous year. Yeah, and and so no with no none of the the employment taxes, and if you're paying them less than I want, I want to say it's thirteen thousand eight fifty for twenty three, the standard deduction for a single, mm-hmm. there, there's not going to be federal income tax. So that is a really great way if you're going to pay the kid uh, the to children to go to college. 
do it out of a business that's owned by you or you and your spouse in a partnership arrangement and then pay them as W-2. It's important you pay them as W-2, then no, no employment taxes. And if they're under the, stand, the federal standard deduction for that year, no, no income tax. Yeah. And so for 2024, I think we're at 14,000. Yeah, it went up. I just don't remember the total number. Yeah. So the standard deduction, if the if the child, which is under 18, if they're over 18, then we have a different issue. And by the way, I always get asked, what's the youngest age? It depends on what they can do for your business. So if you're using them for marketing materials, like using their image and things like that, you can pay them what you could pay a third party to to, to be a model. If they're pushing a broom or doing activities like that, you could pay whatever it would cost you to pay somebody else to do it. We have we have cases with nine-year-olds, right, where they're getting paid a reasonable wage. And if you're paying them through a partnership or a disregarded entity, you don't have to worry about any of the withholdings or anything like that. If you are paying them out of a corporation, you still run it through W-2 and you could still say, hey, I don't want to do a bunch of withholdings. As far as the federal, it's up to how you fill out the W-9, but you have employment taxes, but you're paying into Social Security, right, towards their 40 quarters. So you're starting them on the path to qualifying for certain retirement benefits. I know some of you guys are like, yeah, Social Security is not going to be there, or you're going to have to be 80 to qualify by the time they're done. Yes, I get it, but you, you would pay them, and you're still getting a huge tax benefit by doing it. Otherwise, you're paying tax on that income. So let's just say you're in the highest tax bracket in a state that's that smashed. You know, let's say you're in California, you got 13% state and 37% federal, and you have to pay your, you can pay your kid 10,000 bucks. You just saved $5,000 in taxes. And what do you have to pay that child? You're paying social security taxes of about 14.1% is what it comes down to. And they're going to get a benefit when they retire. So you just lowered your tax bill uh, significantly on that 10 grand. You know, you're going to save yourself about 3,500 bucks, which is a nice vacation. If somebody walked up and said, hey, you employ your kid and I'll send you on a $3,500 vacation. Yeah, good call. I'd take it. I'd take it. Here in Vegas, that's like three buffets. <laughs> God, the prices are more going up on the strip. <laughs> they just see us coming. All right. Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Like it's going nuts. Yeah. It's like thirteen hundred dollars. Stay away from there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Buffets. Stay away from the buffet. Actually, here's the rules. Don't walk behind anybody after they've left the buffet. Just <laughs> trust me on that. All right. Are gifts to clients, vendors, employees, and members tax deductible? If yes, what is the threshold that we can spend for gifts? Now, this is an exciting part of the tax code. Uh, you're limited to $25 per individual or business. So it's kind of 25 bucks. Uh, and it's not indexed for inflation. No. So it's been 25 bucks. Yeah, God, for 20 1837 yeah. or something. 1837. <laughs> Where's 1830? Uh, just pick it. It's but been a long time. It's been a long, long time. Yeah. But 25 bucks, and it's terrible. You know, it's not for each gift. <laughs> that's just... is that per day. No, that's per year. <laughs> Per year, if you want to write off a gift. So otherwise, you're going to have to fit it in another category. So you can't give someone a $25 gift and then a month later, give them another $25 gift. Uh, but you do have, you can give it to unlimited people or other businesses, $25. So, but it's lame. It's it's terrible. It, it's horrible. Yeah. yeah, it's not a, this is one that needs to So you're giving everybody, like you give them a crappy basket, like you, like. What do you get for $25 nowadays? If you sent your customer something worth 25 bucks, they're yeah. like, they're like yeah. why'd you even waste the, the yeah. effort for 20? Yeah. 
It's and that's why I picked it because it's such a horrible rule. And you know, this question, people really don't believe me when I say it's a $25 limit, and yet that's what it is. Yes, the wonderful world of the IRS. Mm. All right. Hey, my tax preparer died a few years ago. I have not been able to find someone to help me with my taxes. Why? What did you do to your preparer? Yeah, well, <laughs> just kidding. Right. I just wanted to do that. <laughs> what did you do? Yeah, the part they're neglecting. Right, there's more information. Well, I shot. <laughs> Didn't want to say it, but he, I, I, my tax bill was too high. Oh, man, I only duck $25. In the That's where my brain goes immediately. All right. Can I file 2023 before I file 21 and 22? Or do I have to file tax returns in order? Some of you guys are having the same thoughts, yeah. right? Yeah. You're like, what is it? What did you do? Sorry, your tax preparer. What's the answer? Well, the answer here is that there is no order by the IRS. There's no rule out there that you have to do this return or that return. Often people will want to do them in order because there might be effects from those earlier returns, you know, by the time we get to the present. But there's something to be said for if you just want to get that 23 out there so you have no more accumulation, you've stopped the dam- the bleeding on any uh, late fees or penalties and then get back to the earliest as quickly as possible. That's certainly doable. And what if 2020, uh, 21 and 22, what if there's not a lot, what if there's no taxable income? Yeah. You may not have a requirement to file, right? You got to look and see what's been reported. I'd probably pull a transcript on you right away. Like you can go get that for free mm-hmm. and see what's been reported on your social security. If, if you're having any issues with your data. And then as far as uh, the preparer, like, I'm sorry, the preparer passed, uh, we're losing people in the tax industry. I think we've lost 15% of the licensed CPAs in the last two years, and it's going to continue to go up. So like, hopefully AI helps. Hopefully we figure out immigration a little bit, but we need accounting help for sure, because it's putting a lot of stress on the industry. And it's, the complexity of the code is, is not helping. <laughs> it's not getting and easier. Congress changing things like t- three times a year doesn't help either. It's becoming really, uh, really muddy and murky. And then you're not aware the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that was passed in 2017 expires next year. And then you're going to have just a complete mess if they don't extend this. Thing. I'm sure they'll get along and get it all hammered out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. What do you guys think the chances are? Give me a give me a percentage chance that Congress is going to be able to figure that one out. <laughs> I, I think you're probably like, I think it will, depending on like, it's a election year. Hopefully they just, yeah. they're going to do something positive for the American people. But Right. Well, here's um, hoping to that. <laughs> but we know that the spending's going crazy. Mm. They're running at a huge deficit. Somebody says 3% chance. You're being positive. Oh, wow, that's generous. Yeah. And I, no, no they, I actually think it's good. They're going to get something done, but yeah. they'll probably extend it. But man, they make it murky and they make it really tough uh, for everybody, which again, it's, it's not fun being on the tax advisor side when you're <laughs> like, it depends. We don't like, we don't know. And then they yell at you. Why don't you know? They don't have a crystal ball. Tax and Asset Protection Workshop. I do have a crystal ball for this. We're doing one on the 3rd. We're doing one on February 10th. And then we're doing the live workshop on March 21st to 24th in Orlando, Florida. Get out of the cold. Come on down and hang out with us in Orlando. I know the lake where that, uh, next to the the hotel where we do the events, there's a gator out there. So if you <laughs> want to, you can go see a gator. That's actually the truth. But it's uh, it's a lot of fun when we get together. So it's just different. Great it's being able to see everybody. Uh, it's fun to be able to shake hands and see people eyeball to eyeball. And it's a bunch of really cool people. We've been doing these now last few years um, with in these types of formats where it's usually hundreds of folks that are all investors, positive people, a lot of great folks. 
that just like coming out and have been our clients forever. Just It's actually just a really positive experience. So I'd recommend that if you get a chance, come out to a live event that you do it. They're pretty inexpensive. So it's not about that. It's about getting together and being around people that are like-minded and trying to make positive changes and that are uh, investors because it's a different mindset. And if you're around people that aren't investors, man, they could be negative. But investors, they're fun. They're always looking for the bright side and the silver lining. And sometimes you don't know. And then you're around somebody who says, what about this and this? And you're like, oh my gosh, that would work in my neighborhood too. So uh, hopefully you get some good stuff out of there. All right, question. Mm. Can you aggregate short-term rentals and long-term rentals together in your portfolio to meet material participation requirements for real estate professional status? So a lot of terms in there. Do a little definition uh, here. First of all, STR, short-term rentals, that just means basically seven days or less average. You know, there's other categories, but that's the most common. And it's treated a little bit different or can be on your return. And then you have your long-term rentals, which is pretty much anything else. And uh, in order for any losses to really hit your return in, in a favorable manner, that they're, they're ordinary or what we call non-passive losses, in the case of the short-term rental, you need to materially participate in the management of that short-term rental. In the case of a long-term rental, you need to get what we have at the end here, the rep status, real estate professional status. And there's some tests there. Basically, you have to have over 750 hours in a real estate trader business. You need to materially participate in the, the, the management of your rentals. And so we meet all those boxes. Well, then that can be non-passive. And if you've got these things that Toby's been talking about, depreciation deductions and cost savings, et cetera, that can have a really great positive effect on your return. But the question here being, can you combine them? And by themselves, as they are, no, they're two different things. A short-term rental is a different type of business. It's actually not rental activity. It's just a trader business. We talk about the pizza shop. It's the same thing as an ordinary business. Long-term rental is a separate part of the code. But what we can do with structuring, by that I mean setting up other entities, you could have a C-corporation. We often use a C-corp. It uh, puts a rental agreement. It rents your short-term rental for a long, like a year-long lease, okay? That makes it a long-term rental now, that short-term. The short-term rental activity is happening in your C-corporation. And now that your short-term rental is has effectively a year-long lease with your C-corp, it becomes a long-term rental. And we can do something called aggregation, pull all of your rental activity together into one big pile, and probably get where you're looking for for your rep status. I know that's a lot. We need a drawing. There it is. Yeah, I just drew it out because it, it would help. Mm. If you are trying to hit real estate professional status, and if you want to look it up, it's 469. C7 of the Internal Revenue Code, 469C7, and it spells out the rule, which is 750 hours, more than 50% of your personal service in real estate trades or businesses that you materially participate in, those trades or businesses, plus you and or a spouse have to meet the material participation on your investment real estate, not short-term rental, because short-term rental is considered an active business. So if you did that and you want to grab the time, then you do this structure right here. You put the short-term rental, the real estate into an LLC and you lease it long. So it's a one-year lease to a corp that then becomes the host and rents it out short. If you do not care about reps status and uh, you just want material participation, then you would just keep them separate. You'd have the, you'd still have a an entity for the short-term rental. You're always going to do that, but you just you would just have it on its own. And this is no different than, as Elliot said, the pizza shop. 
this is just a trader business. This is no different than if you were a plumber or anything else. It's just short-term rental. Sounds weird, but it is. Uh, seven days or less is an active trader business. And if you materially participate, then the losses can be ordinary. So you could be a doctor, a accountant, uh, engineer, uh, teacher, you know, any, you fill in the blank, any profession that you're doing full time. And if you want to lower your tax bill and you want losses from your real estate to offset it, the short-term rentals where you go, because that's ordinary loss, as long as you materially participate on that property or properties, if you want to combine them. But these two things, short-term rentals and and long-term are very different activities. The IRS is going to say, keep them separate. And if you want to create that bridge, we have to intentionally do it by using the uh, by using the structure. Mm-hmm. That's it. That was exciting. Yeah, that's good stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our LLC installed. This is exciting. Mm. I'm actually excited. I might ha- Howard Dean this one. Right. Our <laughs> LLC installed a $84,000 solar system on a rental property in 2023. Can we take the 30% energy tax credit and deduct the entire 59,976 basis, which is 84,000 costs minus 50% of the 30% in 22 using bonus depreciation. What say you? Yes. <laughs> Quick answer, yes. Ah! Yeah. And I did check the, the 25, uh, two is correct at 30%. So uh, what is it? Uh, 25,200, that is 30% of 84. 25,200 is a tax credit. What's a tax credit? That is a great question right there. there. We've been talking about deductions here all day long. Tax credit, well, let's go back to the tax deduction. That's uh, going to be a deduction against income, and that's going to lower taxable income, so it lowers your tax rate. But a tax credit is a direct dollar-for-dollar reduction in your tax liability. So given the choice between a $25,000 tax credit, in other words, $25,000 less than you have to pay, versus just a $25,000 reduction, they're both great but you're going to want to have that tax credit. Yeah. And then here's the math. I think they just goofed up on their math a little bit because you get to, not only do you get the tax credit, so that's cash, that's to, that that's money in your pocket. So that, that $25,000, the, the IRS is literally dollar for dollar for your taxes owed. So it's like, oh, I get a tax credit for 25 grand. Yep. But I financed the solar system. That's okay. You still get 25000 So I really didn't spend that much money. Do I still get the tax credit? Yes. And you get to write it off. And so the write-off is we take 50% of the tax credit. So we have 84000 minus one half of the tax credit. And that gives us $71,400 that we get to do depreciation on. And then if we, right now, we're at 60%. And assuming it's going to go up to a hundred, it's going to be a forty-two thousand eight hundred four dollars or eight hundred forty dollars. So what you would get in year one, you would get forty-two eight forty, and then. Uh, but yeah, this was twenty-three, so and, they'd still be on the eighty though. Oh, this is eighty uh, percent of that, yeah. all right? So then I'll go. So you get, and then you still get to depreciate what's left over five years. Mm-hmm. So you're still gonna. So let's say seventy-one thousand four hundred times point eight. So you get a, oh, there's our 57,000. So we get a $57,120 deduction. And the credit. Plus, so we take 71,400 minus 57,120, and that's 14,000 divided by five, for lack of a better word, plus another 2,800. So right around another, another uh, right around another three grand. So you're going to be in that $60,000 range 
uh, for a tax credit plus a 60K deduction. That's why in real estate, some of the solar stuff can, ha- can be a, uh, that's a lot of baths, what he says. Yes, I like, <laughs> I like my toys, guys. I just like to scribble, get bored otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I used to try this on crayons and it ruined a lot of computers that way. <laughs> well, but that's... you get, I yeah, know, just like a <laughs> scribble. Or something. Um, but what a, what a big benefit. Like, again, you could be out of pocket almost nothing. In some of these cases, they're basically, you're paying them out of the electric bill that would have been. Uh, and so depending on the deal that you strike, you may find that you're out of pocket, you know, like maybe uh, 5,000 bucks. And here you get a tax credit of 25 plus 60K. What's a YouTube super question? Go ahead, Patty, throw it up there. Okay, so here's the question, Toby. If I pay referral fees to other companies or individuals, let's say over $600 a year, what type of expense would that be? And do I have to file a W-9 for them? So I'm pay- so I'm paying a third party over 600 bucks. Yeah. So you'd have to W-9 them. And what type of expense would that be? Yeah. Uh, if it's a referral fee, it's probably marketing fee. I'll just call it a- Yeah, marketing or consulting either way. Consulting, yeah. One, one of those. You could either put it under professional fee or you put it under a marketing expense, but you're going to get 100% deduction no matter what. Yeah. And then I think they're asking, should they 1099 them? And I think the answer to that is yes. And it should be a 1099 miscellaneous box three for other income would be my thought there. I agree with you 100%. And the only thing I would say is it depends on the party. If they're a corporation, then you don't have to 1099 them. Good point. Yeah. So always collect a W-9 before you pay anyone. Um, if they're not a cor- if they are a corporation, you aren't required to issue a 1099. Yep. And we like our super, super YouTubers. So that's awesome. Uh, guys, we're streaming this on the YouTube channel at the same time. So we don't see those questions. So I want to make sure that we get those folks too. We have teams on both. And by the way, our team kicks absolute tail. They've answered almost 200 questions. We're at 182 as we sit right now. So Amanda, let me see if I can see all the different people because there's uh, we have a whole bunch of people. Harash, Dutch, Jared, Ross, Troy, and uh, Patty and Matthew. We've got a ton of people on answering questions. I just think it's uh, they're rock stars for answering these things because they're going rapid fire. You know that most accountants like to do? Well, it depends. And then they'll never actually answer a dang thing. And these guys are answering questions, so I really like that. Yeah, they go, they go all through the whole show. I'm telling you, they're typing away. Yes. And they're done that. Give them a <laughs> thumbs up or a heart or a something. We never do that for these guys. There Give them go. a something because they're just sitting there answering questions all day. And, uh, and, uh, and they are rapid fire, like you say. Yep. And we, we force them to do it and we don't feed them. <laughs> no, they do a great job. Except for Matthew. Uh, he's right out here. <laughs> he could just cut our feet at any time. <laughs> All right. Let's go through the last uh, question. Started a small flight instructing business in 2023 and purchased a plane in 1223 financed. Great. That's awesome. What depreciation options are there and what would be the best approach if the income stream will not begin until 624? So just going strictly as this question's written, it sounds like we started the business in 23, okay? And we bought the plane in 23. Maybe we didn't have a lot of income, but you did buy it. And that's pretty much considered placed in services for these type of things. So it'd be a 23 asset. And you can do the bonus depreciation we've talked about. Uh, what you'd want to do is compare it to the straight line, which would be maybe, I think it's probably five or seven year property. I, I guess I don't know off the top of my head. But if you compare the two, you could see what you think your income stream is going to be in 24 if you wanted to. And you could calculate out 
Or another approach would be just take it as a massive loss in 23, and that loss will carry forward and wipe out income in 24 and and, and 25, et cetera, depending on the, how the numbers work out. Yeah, I would say the big issue here is when is it placed in service? If that plane was placed in service on a business that's an operating business, mm-hmm. then in 2023, in 12 of 2023, then you could bonus that 80%, soon to be 100% that year. What is plane? Seven year? Property. Yeah, five or seven, I would think. Yeah, I don't know for sure. I think it's seven. I wanted to. I want to sound as good as any. Yeah, but uh, but a hundred percent. If it's bonus, it's going to be a hundred percent. You're just going to write it off. So we have clients. I think we had a client that bought an eight million dollar place yes. and wrote it all. Whoosh, mm-hmm. You know, and they, you know, it's great as long as you're using it for business. You switch it over to personal <laughs> and drops below fifty percent use for business. You have a problem. So a lot of times you're engaging an aviation leasing company yeah. to make sure that it's being used in business, regardless of just your use so that you don't fall into that trap. So you get that big deduction. If your income stream is not until 2024 though, that, that's the part that worries me. The loss isn't a big issue. You can grab that, grab that loss. If you're at, at, on, at risk on the financing, uh, you're probably gonna get, you know, you're gonna get to write that thing off against your active ordinary income, assuming that this is a business that you materially participated in. Otherwise, it would be a fixed asset that is put into service in 2024. So let's say you didn't have the business running yet and it didn't do anything and you bought this puppy, it would just be a fixed asset on your book. No different than if you had a rental property you put into service in 2024, you could write it off then. So you're not in any jeopardy of losing the deduction. The only question is, is it 23 or 24? Yep. And there, you know, depending on the expense of this, you know, uh, uh, airplane, you may hit up against the, uh, the business loss limitation rules, but somebody says airplane can bonus 100% is an exception. So even with the bonus depreciation, they kept the airplane at hundred. I haven't run across it for this year. So the last year we had a uh, airplane bonus. Somebody's uh, the last time I, I saw that was in for 20, that was this year. So it was for 2022. Yeah, that was 100. So really, that's really cool. So if, if there may be an exception where it's 100%, the, then we don't have to worry about what its useful life is. It's going to be five or seven. It's, it's right now. So one of those years, you're probably going to get to write that whole thing off. So thank you, Robin, for clarifying that. We'll have to take a look and see. Somebody says, hello, I've missed the full answer for the solar tax credit. Is there a way to get the answer in writing? Uh, y'all will send the, the, you'll see the recording and you can actually get the recording and there's a transcript so you can grab it and do that too. And I think we explained that one pretty good. And if you saw my math and if you need more clarity, just reach out to us. We'll do that. I think that's the last question we have. There's a few yep. questions in here. Uh, let's see well, regarding the short-term and, and long-term, I'm just going off of a, off of a chat guys. That was on the previous question. If I want to bridge them for the real estate professional, I put the short-term rental in an LLC, and I also have a C-Corp that rents the short-term rental for a year. Yes, and it could be a C-Corp or S-Corp, as long as it, or an LLC taxed as either of those, as long as there's a long lease between the LLC that you own uh, and and the business entity that's operating and acting as the host. So you can lease it, and then you could aggregate it in with your other investments. We've been doing that for years. I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, that's that's where I was at 90%, uh, probably five or six years ago when Airbnb started to really explode. And from what I was seeing, it was more important to hit that, mix it in with all the other investment properties and not separate it out. What we found over the last two or three years is that especially our high income earners, this is one of the few ways where they can 
take a property and suck out, just like this airplane is a deduction like that, so is your real estate when it's short-term rental. It's 39-year property for an Airbnb. It's considered a hotel. And if it's the average use is seven days or less, so you take how many days it's rented divided by unique rentals. So if I rented it for 100 days total during the year and I had 30 people, and then it's 3.33 days, that's less than seven. That's a that's a business. No difference than a plumbing business, pizza business. No difference than if, if you're doing consulting. That is a business. And that loss, even if it was only in service for a few weeks or two weeks or a week, as long as it was placed in service, the property was actually put in service in the tax year, leased out, and you're the one managing it, doing all the activities, you could actually take that loss against your other income. It's pretty massive. And especially for high income earners, the tax benefits are pretty are, are pretty attractive. So They'll do that oftentimes, keep a property as a short-term rental for a year or two, and then convert it to a long-term rental after they've sucked a bunch of the depreciation out and offset other income. So it's uh, it's really cool. That is fun. Somebody says, Toby said we are live streaming now, so I wanted to go on there on YouTube. How do I do that? Go to YouTube, and you'll see there's always a little live stream mm-hmm. thing on there. I, Patty could do it. Hey, there's my YouTube. Hi, YouTube. So if you scroll down, like you could see live, There's it says like, home videos, shorts, live. I'm sure you just click on that. And as you can see, there's 760 videos. I've been doing this for years. So there's a lot of videos, um, uh, but there's a lot of content on there and we're constantly putting more out. So if you're ever sitting there going, boy, I'd really like to learn more about real estate professional status, or geez, I'd really like to learn more about cost segregation. Chances are there's probably three or four videos on there that, that do a deep dive into that. And uh, you could spend some time on there. And then always we do the tax and AP events. Again, we have the 3rd, the 10th of February, and then March 21st through the 24th. We're going to do a deep dive on that. And this is the cool one. For the uh, next live event, I'm going to have my buddy Scott Estill out there. Nice. Uh, Former trial attorney with the IRS out of the Illinois office, somebody I've worked with extensively to do the tax toolbox. Elliot obviously helped, and our team here helped a lot on that too. But uh, Scott will come out and speak. Really interesting lawyer because he worked for the IRS. And then we've worked together for the last 15, 20 years on a lot of different matters. Great person, great guy, a lot of uh, inside knowledge on what actually goes on because his entire practice has is, is, is been around the tax court and handling uh, and handling stuff. So he'll come out. Yeah, Sherry, he, we actually did the tax toolbox updates for this year, which are about done and they're going to be out. We've been doing the final edits. So if you've purchased a tax toolbox, you don't have to pay for this. It's going to be automatically put into your toolbox. It includes all updates. If you don't know what a tax toolbox is, reach out to Anderson. We'll show you. And, uh, and like a lot of our stuff, it just is the continuous process. You pay for it once, and then we just keep adding more and more to it. So this is a complete revamp. So everybody, I don't care if you bought it uh, 10 years ago, you're getting the new, the new content uh, just because it's a lot of fun. And uh, if you have questions in between the next two weeks, by all means, reach out. Let him get him in there. Yeah, it tax Tuesday to Anderson Advisors, and you too could be selected for when we do these and read your questions on the air and uh, and answer them, or visit us at, at our website, Anderson Advisors. There's a ton of content on there, guys. What we are is an educational company with the services to help you implement uh, whatever strategy might benefit you, save you money, keep uh, lawyer snoops and Uncle Sam out of your back pocket, and allow you to create a legacy. We're not just talking about hey, I just want to get it to my kids, but actually think beyond that. Think uh, 200 years in the future, what your what your state looks like, what you're actually creating. And if we do it deliberately, it's not that hard and it's not very expensive. In fact, it's a lot cheaper 
than not doing anything or doing the wrong thing. And so uh, once you realize that, then you're like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this 10 years ago? And that's a good question to be asking yourself when you're diving into this, because that's what it should be like. It's like, gosh, this makes sense. I understand it. And uh, and I understand the value in, in, in putting it in place. That makes you an awesome client for us because we're speaking the same language and we have the same values. All right. So that is it. I see there's still 12 open questions. So what I'm going to do is say adieu, Elliot. Thank you so much today. Thank you. And uh, we'll leave this open. We'll just mute ourselves and and stop the feed uh, or stop the video, but we'll continue to answer your questions. So guys, if you're waiting for a question to be answered, don't leave. Hang on. We will get to it. Otherwise, I will bid you guys farewell and we will see you in two weeks. Hey, thanks for watching. Click the link so you can join us live and get your question answered by myself and my tax team. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode. 